Hello and welcome to Game of Moans, a podcast where we are looking back at Game of Thrones an episode at a time and we are past the halfway point, season five, episode six, unbowed and bent and broken. I am Chris Bolton with me as always, our very own mountain, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. And um, I just want to address something very quickly before we dive in this week. We've, we've literally just had a production meeting off air. Um, because production as, meeting, what's one of them? We've never had one of them before. Uh, yeah, we literally haven't. That's what we just did for like two minutes. Um, <laughs> like uh, most of you will be aware, or most of you that listen regularly, that um, a behind the scenes book came out uh, this week. In fact, Fire Cannot Kill a Dragon and all sorts of stories are breaking as a result of it. Stuff that we've shed light on before in this show that we suspect has happened, and this book pretty much confirms them. So so much of this shit has come out this week that we have just decided that we will at some point do a special one-off show specifically addressing the contents of that book. So we're going to get hold of it. We're going to read it. But I think we'll park it there for now um, because, like, if we were to start talking about the shit that's coming out of that book, that's that's a whole episode. Yeah. But, I mean, suffice to say, I, I read all of these headlines with a mixture of amusement uh, satisfaction and disgust. It's a very weird cocktail. Um, but, you know, amusement because you're just dumbfounded at the shit you're reading. Satisfaction because we get to go, see, I knew it. <laughs> and disgust because just fuck these guys. Like, seriously, fuck them. Fuck them yeah. right in the ass. Yeah, I mean, there are, I mean, we, we've we've talked about it before that like we talked about the, um, the, the con they did was it this summer or a lot? Oh, must have been this summer, um, where they basically you know, admitted they didn't have a fucking clue what they were doing. They make up so they go along. Um, we've no, we've talked about things like that that have come out, but this book just seems to be a collection of clusterfuck episodes um, where they've gone, yeah, that we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah, that that shit that you heard. Yeah, that was right. And there's just so much of it, and you go, fuck me. Yeah. So so we're gonna park it there. So yeah, we know guys and. Um... If anyone does want to specifically talk about, you know, any of the stories within, we are going to be getting hold of this book. As I say, we are going to be reading it. So by all means, hit us up on Twitter, hit us up on Facebook, and we'll happily discuss it with you. Um, if you want to come on the show and discuss it, by all means, send us your thoughts. But we will do a one-off show on that book. Um, so all of that being said, Season 5, Episode 6, Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken. So first of all, um, this is a pretty good opening for Game of Thrones. Um, starts mm. in the middle of a scene. It's well edited. It's atmospheric. It's creepy. Yeah. Um, it's pretty good. Like as Game of Thrones openings go, I don't mind it. Yeah. Um, it's it's a funny one because um, I as, as soon as as soon as as soon as the scene started, thinking, all oh, right, okay, can't really be asked with this story again. You know, I mean, this is what it's, we haven't been to um, House of Black and White for three weeks now. Something like that, yeah. I mean, um, I wasn't, I wasn't, don't get me wrong, I wasn't thrilled to see the House of Black and White, but I thought, no, well, you know, well, that was that was it. I mean, as soon as the scene started, I was like, right, okay, well, we're back with Arya then, great, fantastic. Because I mean, I, I love Arya, but this storyline is horseshit. Um, and it does very little to actually enhance her character or move her sort her arc along. Um, but yeah, so then, all right, okay, brilliant. So it's another couple of minutes of this. And the first two episodes of this series, we started, um, with this story. And it wasn't interesting then, and it's no, it didn't really go anywhere now. But it, as you said, it was atmospheric. It, no, it, one thing you say about Game of Thrones, it always looks good. 
Um, yeah. it, was at, it was atmospheric. It was well performed. Um, I say it wasn't too slow. It didn't start nine million years before it needed to. And yeah, it was it was a good um, a good opening sequence. It worked quite well. Yeah, uh, and then it leads us into this confrontation again between Aya and the Waif. Um, yeah. And again, for the most part, quite well handled. I like the Waif story. It's great. Yeah. Um, it's well delivered. But the scene suffers. Uh, much like we talked about um, a couple of the scenes a few weeks ago, like when we were talking about Shreen's backstory when that came yeah. out and things like that. This scene suffers because whilst the story is great and whilst the intent is great, they completely step on the point by having the waif then ask Arya if she's telling the truth or not. Yeah. Like, no, we get it. It's inferred. She may be lying. She may not. We get that. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, we are smart as an audience. OK. And not, not just us. Like, treat the audience with respect. We get it. OK. It's in the performance and it's in the writing. It's been inferred. We get and, it. And to be fair, even if you miss it in the performance... Later on, there's a scene where um, uh, Shagan Hagar and, and I is beating Arya because every time every time she tells a lie, he he hits her with a stick or whatever it is. So we can get the inference from that that yeah. the wave story may not have been true because she's been she'll have been through the same thing. She'll have been taught to lie. Yes, in much the same way. So we don't need we don't need that bit. Now that that what two lines I think it was. Now did you believe me? Did you think every word was true? We don't need that. And no. You, you end you end that scene with Arya sort of Arya believing whatever she wants to believe and then move on. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It completely stepped on the scene for me, which was a shame because up until that point I thought it was actually really good, um, but it just really, really fucking annoyed me. And I'll be honest, this episode pretty much lost me there and then. I got so annoyed by that, and I don't like this storyline anyway. So I was like, right, fuck you, and I wasn't in the mood anyway. So I was just like, right, fuck you, you've lost me now. Um, so yeah, strap yourselves in. Um, and as you've talked about that, that pretty much comes next. Uh, Jack in the car goes to see Arya and just whips her. Um, when she says she hates the hound. Yeah. And, and that's good again. Okay. That's, that's really good. But then we step on the point yet again, you know, the, the whole scene is pretty well handled, but they just hammer it too much. We yeah. get it. She was lying when she said she hates the hound. We get it. Don't drive it into the fucking ground. Hmm. Like, just do what you need to do and get gone. Yeah. Less is more. Sometimes. I mean, I mean that particular that particular lie, I didn't mind so much because we know we had her, her little lies all the way through that you know her father was a soldier who died in battle and she got whipped. So we've seen these little like these little lines that we know aren't true. And then she says she hates the hound, and he he hits her. She says, no, I did. I do hate the hound, and he whips her again. And it's almost like she's. She's trying to convince him because she's trying to convince herself, and I think it's a really, it's a really nice touch that harks back to what we had a lot of in the last season and and the season before, um, but not in a heavy-handed way. Um, and I think that when they come to be reunited in three and a half seasons' time, um, that will pay off. Yeah, I, as I say, I like I like the idea behind it, and I, I just feel like again the execution was poor because oh, yeah. it, they. All that they make her explain it. Like I'm fine with the setup of building it up from these little lies so that we understand you tell a lie, you get the whip. We get that. But then they cheapen it by her going, no, it's true. It's true. No, fuck off. We don't need that. Like we get it. We get that. She's confused. Like just Hmm. trust us. Honestly, it would be so much stronger if you just trusted us. Yeah. Um, And I mean, I I won't jump ahead too far, but in, in the scene, the very last scene um, of this episode uh, with Sansa, 
there's a very similar point where historically you'd have expected her to react the same way when when something she says is challenged um when and where she's accused of lying and historically she's become hysterical she's you know, she almost pleads and uh, much like Arya does she pro no, she protests too much um but in Sansa's case she says nothing yeah um, and it's, it was it's a really nice reversal because normally it's the other way around between the two of them yeah so you know same as with the way good setup poor execution yeah. um so then we move over to uh Tyrion and Jorah Yes. Um, again, like Ian Glenn's performance is great here. Like his performance when he finds out about his father is yes, fucking phenomenal. Again, just just saying so much without saying anything. Um, what this show does best, really, like yeah. this, they should just make this show up entirely of reaction shots, and I'd be like, this is the <laughs> best thing ever. Give it all the Emmys. Um, well, yeah, because then the dialogue can't fuck it. Exactly. Uh, so his performance is great, but I am left wondering, like. How does Tyrion know what the brothers in the Night's Watch said about Commander Mormon? Because well, he, he doesn't. He so wasn't he, there. But he he does sort of say he says it's the sort of thing they would say. He didn't say it's what they did say. But the inference is that because Mormon has to understand from Tyrion's line that his father has passed on, and Tyrion says it as though the tribute that they paid to him was that he was—I forget what the line is. Yeah, the likes of him. Yeah, they'll not whatever. be seen again. That's that's it. That's exactly what it is. So, but, so but Tyrion it's a generic, is referring it's a generic that that was platitude, his... though. It's it's a generic platitude that you would apply to a man of his stature. Yeah, I don't know. It, it rubbed me up the wrong way. It rubbed me up as though Tyrion knew what, like they eulogized him in that way, and it's like, well, he wasn't at the fucking wall then. Uh, so no, I I didn't take it that way. I just took it that it, you know it's sort of slightly. Effusive, no, slightly effusively hyperbolic that you know it's it's praise for praise sake um because you no know, he you know he he was a good man he was an honorable man you know, he he had time for Tyrion and vice versa um and now he's dead so you no know, they say nice things about him at his funeral um it doesn't necessarily you know, I didn't take that that you know, any inference that he knew what the line was it's just this is this is what they would have said because that's because it's true but then but then from Tyrion's point of view, all that becomes is I knew your father, he was a good man. Not I knew your father, he was a good man, and this is what they said about him. Yeah. Because he doesn't know what they said about him. All he can do if he's offering if he's offering respects and sympathies, then it's I knew your father, he was a good man. Or he was always good to me, or he was good to me while I was at the wall, or something like that. Or, you know, I knew your father, we will never see his like again. That's all fine. But yeah. The fact that he's saying that that's what the Night's Watch said about him just is odd and wrong. Um, and it just completely pulled me out of the scene because I was left there thinking, well, how the fuck does he know? And then I'm racking my brain thinking, was he at the wall then? I'm like, no, of course he wasn't. Well, so no, Mormon wasn't at the wall when he died either, was he? No. So I'm like, this this is all this is all shit. Um, so and as I say, the episode had lost me anyway. So I was looking for things, and that is one of them. Like that makes no sense to me, none whatsoever. Um, so then we're back to the House of Black and White, Joy, um, mm. and we get this scene with Arya and, and the little girl. Um, yeah. I don't get it. I'm sorry. I don't get it. Um, what's the point? What, what, is, is the water poisonous? What? Yes. Like, did, did I miss that? Yeah, that was in episode two um, where the late, the, 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 oh, sorry, it's a man comes in um, and is led to the water, drinks it, and then they, um, her and the wife clean him. I missed that completely then. Yeah, so... Um, but the, the the setup for that, I mean, you know, the um, 
the 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 father the father carrying the little girl in saying no she's suffered since whatever I just wanted to end and there's no nice ambiguity with the line do you want the suffering to end or the life to end all that does he know what he's getting into because obviously we you know we I know you you've you've forgotten it but we we've seen the fact that you no know, this is a house of death so mm-hmm. has he come there specifically to have her killed because she's suffering or does he think that I've got nowhere else to go can you perform some sort of miracle so I mean nice bit of ambiguity there and then. We get a, a slight payoff to the the early bits with Arya, where she's sort of all of a sudden she's you no know, she lies very convincingly. Yes, okay, it's to a child who's you no know, who's not going to know any different, but she lies very convincingly about you know how she ended up there and you know that the healing powers of this water and how the fact she you know she now serves the many faced gods and all that. It's it's it it she's it's it's like a mini evolution for her where you now she's just moved on that little bit and that you know, now she understands why she needs to lie. It's not always about covering yourself; it's about helping other people. So that kind of helped. Um, and then again, there's um, we we move into the next scene where she's washing her, and she you know she's um, she washes yeah, her I hair mean... and she wrings out her hair. That was really nice, and it it works really well because later on we get a mirror of that with Sansa um, again, where she's being bathed and you know, having her hair washed and all the black dye washed out and everything. So it was, it, there's some quite nice touches in this episode, which I don't I don't know are intentional. Or if they are, I think they they probably don't realise how. Here's, no, here's how, the thing with that: they're, they're definitely not intentional. And and the way I could tell you that they're not intentional is because if the intention was to do all of that that you just said, which you absolutely can pull out of it, but if that was the intention, it is absolutely crucial going in that the audience understand that if the girl drinks the water, she's going to die. Now. That happened, what did you say, two, three weeks ago? That they, I, once you said Episode it, I remember. Two. There you Episode go. Now, once two, you said weeks. it, once you said it, I remembered them cleaning the man and stuff. But in this episode, it's been four weeks since we watched it. I've missed that completely. So if you wanted to make that effective, we needed to be reminded of that. And we spent a good fucking five minutes of the House of Black and White in the opening. Show us someone else drinking the water and fucking dying. Just so that it's fresh in our mind for this episode. So that we know going in, ah, okay. So this is what's happening, and Arya's telling this lie, and it's going to be the evolution for a character, and this is going to lead her on, you know, at the end to be able to go down to to see the many-faced god and stuff. But they didn't set any of that up. So I don't know what the fuck they're trying to do, but if they can't even handle that, they're certainly not clever enough to mirror it with Sansa. So I definitely don't think that's intentional, because this is all over the shop, this episode. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's not the sort of scene you would accidentally write twice. Uh, well, I don't know that they've written the scene twice, though, have they? Well, well no, I mean the the whole, the whole thing of you know, being bathed and the, even the same shot of you know, the the hair being sort of um, being you know, being uh, washed over and you know, being sort of wrung out. It, you know, it's there's very definite repetition. Then you can't do that by accident. Uh, oh, I don't know. I beg to differ because with the situation there as well, you've got this thing of bathing people in the House of Black and White seems to be a thing that they have to do. It's almost like a fucking punishment for Arya. It's like a fucking paint in the fence in the Karate Kid. It's well, like yeah. you finish I mean, washing the bodies, you do that. And then with Sansa, there is a just in general with, with bathing and particularly with someone else bathing you, there is a transformative element to that. So I understand the subtext behind Sansa being bathed and washing the colour out of her hair and all of that and stripping her away. That all makes sense. I don't see the correlation between the two, though, at all. Um, I don't see where the through line is because it, there's nothing as a theme running through this episode to connect that either. No, that's so true, there's not. It, it just feels like, like, I get it. I get I get what you're saying. I, I just don't think, if that was the intention, I don't think it's handled well. 
to the point where I, I don't actually think it's the intention. I just think they're, they're two entirely separate scenes that just happen to be quite similar. Um, that's my read of it. I, I could be wrong. Like I say, I, I'm fucking... Look, I'm, I'm not going to bury the lead. I did not like this episode. So, you know, I'm going to pull some shit out of it. Um, but to me, it, you know, every time... Every time we're here at the moment in House of Black and White, it's like almost but not quite seems to be the theme of of these scenes. It's like, yeah, yeah. that was that was nearly really good, but you fucked it in the execution. And if you can't get basics like this right, there's no way they, they, they're pulling off shit at a higher level like that, I don't think. Um, but th- that's just me. Look, as always, like clearly we disagree on this. So listeners, <laughs> weigh in here. I mean, maybe I'm fucking wrong and maybe I'm just being fucking bitchy about this. That's kind of the point of the show. For me, that this just doesn't work at all, and it and it would have been as simple as killing someone else at the start of the episode, get someone else to drink the water, or even get someone to go, no, don't drink the water, it's poisonous. Like that's clumsy, but at least it makes this scene work. Yeah, so. I, I think the pr- the problem is, and we because we're so used to inept, incompetent writing, you know, in terms of arcs and all the rest of it, um, from the Wonder Twins. I mean, this is one of the one of the better writers um, with this episode. Historically, I'm not saying this episode is particularly brilliant, but um, Brian Cogman did this one, um, and he's generally more hit than miss. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I would generally get, I would generally credit him that he has tried. No, he has tried to pull stuff together here. Um, but you're right. I mean, there, there isn't a through line for the episode. There's no there's no sort of theme for the episode um, because by and large, there's no themes in this fucking show, according to the uh, the showrunners. Um, but I th- yeah, I get the impression that he's tried, and whether stuff hasn't come off, or whether he's assuming that we, you know, he's assuming that having now seen it once, that we will always remember that you can't drink the water because it's poisonous. Whether he's made that assumption, I don't know. But I, mean, I, th- I, I can, I, I think that's what his intention is. Is done with the, the, the two scenes, the two sisters scenes, almost mirroring each other. I think, no, I think that's what he's gone for. I don't, I'm not necessarily saying he's pulled it off that well. I like, I like the. I like the mirroring, but I, I, th- I think you're right. There are there would there are stronger ways to do it, um, just to just to set it up because it has been four weeks, um, and you. I mean, I don't know. I'm only remembering this stuff because we're looking at this week in week out, and for a casual observer who would have seen it once, probably given half an eye because it's a fucking boring storyline. And until she goes rogue at the end of this season, there's no fucking point in the storyline anyway, um, because it's just dull as shit. Um, so I mean. It, I can I can see the intent. I can see why you would assume that you don't want to be kind of reseeding the same thing week after week after week. Um, but I think it may have been a, a bit too much of a stretch to get people to to go to. I think you might be right, but yeah, you don't have to seed it week after week after week. But there's two ways you can do this. Okay, you can either play the rule of threes. So we had it once in episode two. Just throw it in episode four, five ish, and then bring it home this week. Okay, rule of threes that'll work. It'll be cemented. We'll understand what's going on there. Or and they do this all the time in this fucking show, particularly when a character has been away for a while or when magic is involved. They are pretty good at this. Like, just bring it back around in the same episode so that we know what's happening. And they are pretty good at that, generally. Yeah, yeah true. They really are. Um, so why all of a sudden they haven't done it, I don't know. Um, now, that definitely is on the writer. But, um, you know, maybe he was under the impression that this was going to be the second or third time that you've seen it. I don't know. But in this episode, that's on the writer, not on the director. I think there's a possibility that that what you're what you've pulled out of it with the, with the correlation between the two sisters, there's a possibility that that's very evident in the script, 
and has just been entirely mishandled by the director, I think that's a that's a definite possibility. Possibly, um, yeah. I, I don't know if you can lay blame for that at, at Brian Cogman if if it doesn't whether it does or doesn't work. I mean, the point is that you've pulled that out of it, so it's clearly there, um, and and it actually clearly works because you you've pulled that out of it. It's just a question of whether it was intentional or not. Um, personally, I, I don't think it is, but you know who knows? Maybe it'll tell us in that book. Um, Maybe. Who knows? Um, so yeah. Other than that, like let's let's get off from the House of Black and White because it fucks me off and just winds me up the more we talk about it. But one last note on it: like after all of this shit goes down, we get a strong contender for one of the worst lines in the show. And Jack and Agar's got a lot of them anyway. But we get a girl is not ready to become no one, but she is ready to become someone else. That's just. Yeah. So cringeworthy, it's unbelievable. And also, no, she isn't ready to become someone else because she's Arya fucking Stark. Yeah, and she she even told you that at the start of the episode. She's Arya. Yes, yes. So just drop this shit already. But the right? thing is, as well, I mean, the whole point of it is that you no, know, the many face god, you, you know, you you become no one. So why would you become? Why would you be happy for it to become someone else? That's not in the ethos. That's yeah. not in the spirit. That's not what you do for your god. No, it makes no sense whatsoever, and it's an awful line. This whole storyline is awful. Just fuck it. Fuck it right in the arsehole. Um, it's terrible. So there's that. Um, so I'm pretty annoyed anyway. And then uh, I do get a bit of a giggle because the cock merchant is just unintentionally hilarious. Yes. But very fucking problematic. I, I mean, look, it's. I'm sorry where this choice is meaning. All right. Um the fact that all of these slaves are black savages who believe in voodoo and superstition and magic yeah is i i'm just i'm speechless to be I'm honest i'm not at this stage i'm really not i i'm just i i'm speechless absolutely speechless by i mean it, like i said the character himself is unintentionally hilarious um but jesus christ is problematic isn't it yeah i mean yeah, I think the problem I've got now is I don't expect any better from the show. Uh, in general, neither do I. But this is so distasteful that yeah. even by their standards, like I mean, this is I, how the fuck did nobody on that set go, uh, guys, um, <laughs> do you maybe want to think about representation here a little bit? Like, how did how did nobody pull them up on this? They may well have done, but I mean, no, we're we're at a stage where. They they knew at this stage they were they were going to do eight seasons, so they knew they were well in well into the second half. Um, everyone's getting paid well, and they, I can imagine just going, you know what, fuck it, that's that's what we want on screen, that's what we're going to have, and just get on with it. I yeah, I, mean, I don't I don't I mean no certainly nobody nobody HBO was challenging them at this point because it was making them money. No, I mean these these guys are basically fucking. I mean they're laughing minstrels. These characters, yeah, yeah. they are. It's it's disgusting. <laughs> But as I say, like unintentionally hilarious because it's so distasteful. It's one of those things that if I don't laugh at it, I'm going to be fucking sick. I think. But the so, thing, I mean, if you think of the con- think of the content. I mean, the whole thing with you know, um, you know, the, the, the cock merchant and the, you know, the dwarf's cock and the line about you no, know, well, it'd be able to tell because it's a tiny dwarf cock and Tyrion playing. You know, guess again. It's very much in that sort of bawdy style you would have got from the likes of um, from the likes of Chaucer and you even got from you know, from Shakespeare and some of his uh, comedies as well. You're thinking of the. Um, so the the nurse in Romeo and Juliet, or the um, the two porters in Macbeth, you know, mm-hmm. th- there is a no. Again, there is a history of that of that sort of humor and that sort of comedy, 
but for whatever I don't know, there's there's no there's no reason to have to go and cast four black men for for these for this this troop. No, there's absolutely not. Um, and, and, and it doesn't matter who is saying those lines. You could have anybody delivering those lines, anybody playing those roles, and it would have been exactly the same. The, the, the humor is in the wording, and, yes. and the delivery. You, it, so I mean, you, the, I said the, the, there's a, a choice has gone into this to cast these. I think it was four or five black men to play this this group, but there's no reason for that. And it may it may be that they were the they 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 happen to be the best four or five actors who auditioned. In which case, all power to them. But I, again, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's the way the show works. Uh, I don't, and I also think that, to be fair, you know, given the material, look, it's it's not like you know you you're pitching up for an Emmy here, is it? This is no. comic relief, like, and and look, if you want, if you absolutely want the lead to be to be that guy because he's because he's so good, then okay. But how about we kind of have a bit of an ethnically diverse cast surrounding him then just yeah. so that we don't suggest that these are a tribe of savages essentially yeah. um I, I mean you may as well have just had him throw Tyrion in a fucking pot and put some bones through their nose like <laughs> that's how fucking bad it is um it's disgusting absolutely disgusting um speaking of Emmys by the way this was the episode that the director was nominated for um best director in a drama show fuck me didn't win uh, no, I'm not surprised, but uh, he didn't. Neither am I, because I'm just putting it out there now. This is the worst episode this season so far. Um, it's could well fucking... be. I, I can't. I can't remember. Um, I know we've had some pretty good ones, and we've had some not bad ones. So I think you might be right on that one, but I can't quite remember. I mean, this this only scrapes through on the skin of its teeth for the fact that I can see, as, as I said right back at the start, there is there. Is, it's a neely. It's a nearly there, so yeah. the episode kind of scrapes through for me from, you know, it's it's not the kind of awful shit that we were getting back in season one, yeah. um, but it's, it's not great. Uh, so anyway, moving away from the horribly distasteful racial stereotypes, um, we're over to Littlefinger, yeah. and he just absolutely dominates Lancel, which is brilliant. Like, this is how the king should have done it. Just seeing somebody treat him like the stupid little boy that he is yeah. is fucking fantastic. Littlefinger just absolutely dominates him, twists all his words around, throws them straight back in his face, and lets yeah. him know in no uncertain terms that he is not to be fucked with, and he doesn't care if they're the church or not. Like, you fucking leave me alone, pal. Yeah. It's... it's tremendous i've been waiting for somebody to do this to this lot for weeks <laughs> and it's absolutely tremendous um yeah very very good um, yeah and i think it's, it's it's such a short scene as well it's easy to forget i mean i i once you once you start talking about it, i remembered it but i i just no i hadn't written i hadn't when we we're talking through it realized this was coming next because it's such a throwaway scene yeah um and you just you know i say it's just it feels like filler but it's good filler it is good filler, and it just, I, I think, yes, you're right, it's filler, but it helps establish that Littlefinger's back in King's Landing. Um, it it kind of, it helps set the tone for the next scene as well, yeah. reminds us that, you know, 
they are a credible threat, but they're also just a loan to themselves. Yeah. Um, and, and the only way you're going to get somebody sort of take them to task on that is by somebody, you know, get somebody else who's a loan to himself. You know, Littlefinger absolutely is somebody that does what he wants, when he wants, and knows full well he can get away with it because he's got a golden tongue. Yeah. Um, and, and you kind of need that to bring them down to size. Cersei is clearly already in way out of her depth. Yeah. So it, it takes Littlefinger to just cut them down to size. And it's brilliant because it really kind of ratchets tension then when we go into this fucking kangaroo court that yeah. we've got. Um, so, you know, that scene, if I'm honest, probably about the best thing of the episode, I think I think is absolutely great. Um, and then we're into this, yeah, fucking kangaroo. No, we get a scene first with Cersei and Littlefinger, don't we? Yes, yeah. Um, which is an odd scene. Uh, they're both good because they're both, very good anyway um but she doesn't and this is a story thing that i don't get i'm not blaming the actors for this here Mm -hmm. but it's like cersei doesn't trust Littlefinger's military mind essentially is what she's saying um but yet he has literally laid out a brilliant foolproof plan to her yeah it doesn't make a lot of sense does it like whether you trust his military expertise or not he has literally just given you a foolproof plan and yeah. he's explained to you why it is foolproof. Well, I mean, it, it, it reminded me, um, was it, I think it was 2017, we had an election in this country, um, and the, the Labour Party set out its manifesto, and it was all fully costed, we can do this, we can do this, and we'll pay for it by doing this, that, and the other. And the Tory government said, well, where's your magic money tree? Because we haven't got money for this. And said, like, we've just fucking told you, it's in the document where we're going to get the money from. Yeah. And it's that sort of thing. It, it's, this sort of, it's this politicking where it's like, I, you, you said it, therefore it must be shit. So I can't possibly agree with it because it came from you. Yeah. And I, it reminded me of that. Yeah. it It's just poor. It's really poor. And like I say, no fault on either of the actors. That No, fault. I mean, they, they go with what they're given and they, they do yeah. a very good job with what they're giving. And uh, and it's it's a it's almost like it's a throw. It's a, a, a superfluous scene because neither of them actually have any of the power they claim to have going into this scene. Because no. Cersei said, oh, well, I'll give you the uh, things that I'll you know, make me warden of the North. And she said, oh, well, if you do this and we'll make you warden of the North. But you, she has no authority. And no. It's, it's like they both kind of, so they both realize that actually they're not, they can't make the deal that they, they, they're making. Yeah, that's right. So it's, it's, it's just a little bit pointless, really, isn't mm. it? But yeah. I, it's, 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 it's a good scene. It's, an, it's a good scene. It's good for both the cast, but it just, it just doesn't fit because, I mean, we've already seen Tommen as a complete fucking bitch when it comes to uh, making any sort of decision anyway. Um, yeah. But we've also seen that he's far more manipulated by his wife than his mother. So she will know. Marjorie will have an angle on this at some point. And yeah. it's like, well, no, why are you seriously bothering? Because she's going to get overruled anyway. If she says it, Marjorie will automatically go the other way. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it just seems a bit, it's a shame because it's, it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice scene between two good characters, but for whatever reason, it just doesn't need to be there. It's just, again, it feels, it feels like filler. It's just reminding us they're both there. It is. Yeah. And as I say, it, it made, so little narrative sense to me that it was just another point in this episode where I was left going, what? So, you know, so far we've had that. We've had the one with um, with Aya that we talked about earlier where I was like, what the fuck is going on? You know, we, we've had the one with Tyrion talking about uh, Mormon. So there's been a, just a collection of points in this episode where I've gone, hang on, this makes no narrative sense whatsoever. And so, I mean, this with three there straight away, and we're not even halfway through the episode yet. Um, thankfully, thank fuck, we get to go and spend some time 
with Jamie and Bron, and things mm. pick up instantly. Yes. Um, I mean, Bron, Bron and Jamie, they're fucking great now. I love them. Like, I love watching these two. Just, you know, the, the exchange between them and, and just Bron in general in this scene, you know, where you get lines like, you know, let's not do something stupid. Okay, that was something stupid. And yeah. it's just like a cheesy action adventure movie. It's great. I mean, that's a good line, but he's even better then when the, the stakes start to ex- escalate and he just gets yeah. this look on his face and he just goes all Indiana Jones. Like he pulls a full Harrison Ford and just goes, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Like I am fed up with this shit. Yeah. You know, like he's just brilliant. He is absolutely brilliant in this scene. And then the, the you know, the fight after it is great. It's a the, really uh, so good the, fight. The fight is really good. The fight is re- it's really well choreographed. Um, it works really well. And then the way it's broken up, obviously, we've we've seen, um, oh, fuck, I can't remember his name now, Martel, um, wherever the prince's name is. Um, we've, you know, we've seen him and his um, bodyguards you now talking about um, Marcella and um, Tristan. Um, and now the, the the fact that they're they're going to be married and all of a sudden they're talking about you know you might you might need to try and remember how your axe works shortly, and then in the very next scene we get it. Um, so the, I mean that's that's all works really well. It's really well set up. Um, and then again, Bron comes out with the the line to steal all lines in the episode, uh, which is you fight no you fight really well, especially for a little girl. Yeah. And because he, he you know he doesn't mean it. He's just doing it for shits and giggles. He's doing it to wind her up. And yeah, it I mean, works it, really well. It, it's 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 perfectly delivered. The pitch is right, the timing's right, and she and again she reacts to it perfectly as well. I don't know who the actress is, but she does a really good job reacting to it as well. But again, it's just something that he's got to get the upper hand. He has to have the last word in everything he does, and he just he'll do it however he can. And I genuinely think he's probably the only character in the show that could have got away with that line. And it is. Yeah. It's a problematic line if delivered by anyone else, and it can still be construed as vaguely problematic from Bron. But like you said, he's such a cheeky little prick, and he does it with with just a shit eating grin on his face yeah. that you just think he's just trying to get a rise. And in yeah. that context, then it it means exactly what he said. He's doing it to wind her up. He's not doing it to be insulting. He's doing it to get a rise, um, and and so it does kind of work. I still think i could probably have lived without it if i'm honest yeah. um you know I, i'd still rather we we didn't sort of demean women in that way but there you go he i think he managed to to just about get away with it i, I yeah. much prefer the the initial reaction when they come in and it, and it just does remind me of raiders of the lost ark yeah. where they come in swinging swords and he just looks at them and goes oh for fuck's sake yeah <laughs> it's and- just great it, it is right. I mean, we've glossed over the sort of the, the preamble to the scene as well, whereby you had um, Marcella and um, Tristan. Um, no, a little bit of their. Yes. We're getting to see a little bit of their, their courtship. We haven't really seen any of that side of the show. I mean, we've had lots of pairings and lots of people being put together, and you know, these, these have been put together, but they've actually been allowed to develop a relationship. Um, and that, no, that's no, that's being set up quite well. We, you know, it's typical teenage shit, which you see in everything else, but for whatever reason. In a show that is full of fucking you know high drama and backstabbing, there's no fucking high school in it. Um, so I mean, this this was a nice touch and it worked quite well. And then just the the sheer awkwardness um, where Jamie and Bron approach while they're having a bit of a snog in the in the bushes, and it's it, it's the oh, they're very awkward straight away. And then you get the line from Bron, that's not doing anything stupid, and Tristan pulls his sword as he twats him. All of that's really nice, and it's it's setting up these two characters for what should be a you no know, a a good run. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's just a shame again. Goes nowhere, but yeah, go. and I mean that that was I was I remember being disappointed with how this run this run ended. Not because of the way it ended, it's because it's so fucking short. 
just in general, as as I said, you know, even right back last season with Oberyn, there's something fascinating to me about this side of the story. I think that you mm. know there is there is an entire continent essentially here that's just been sold short. Um, yeah. There are definitely interesting stories and interesting characters here. That and there's a lot of interesting counterculture with. as well. I mean, yes. you know, it's it's the ant. No, um, Dawn is the anti King's Landing. You know, Very everything much about so. it is different. Yeah, we, very we never so. explore that. I mean, we get, we had what four, um, maybe well, maybe a half a dozen episodes with um, with Oberyn, and then we've no, we we get another maybe three or four with the I don't know, with the Sand Snakes and 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 Dawn uh, now, and then that's it. We don't see Dawn yeah. again. I don't think. No, it just kind of vanishes, and it's a shame because um, I, I I like pretty much all the characters in Dawn a great deal, so mm. it is a shame. Um, but yeah, so so we get the fight with with Sand Snakes. It's, it's fucking brilliant. Um, this is the best chunk of the episode for me by far. I think this yeah. bit works really well. Um, but then you know, to be fair, it does. This episode does pick up in this back half. Um, however, the cut we get a scene with um, Elena and Marjorie, and and then it cuts from that scene to her and Cersei, and they use dialogue to try and carry the cut, and it's fucking yeah atrocious. it's really clumsy i can't remember what the oh. line was. I, I wrote it down and i've left my notebook downstairs i wrote down what how they tried to carry it um and it's a shame because the scene um the scene between elena and marjorie is fine it's functional as they always are i know the two very good performances uh, and then the scene with elena and cersei again it's very good when you know when you get these um the, these two sort of head on one no, Cersei's always trying to play an angler. She's always trying to manipulate. She's always trying to you know to snake and worm. And Elena comes in straight away and says, "Don't be such a twat." Uh, yeah. You know, I, I I know you're not writing anything. So put the fucking pen down, you stupid woman. No, brilliant. You, you I, know, I, you're not I fooling anybody. Yeah. yeah, and and that was no. That's a it's a re, it's a breath of fresh air because we we have some characters like, like Bron calls a spade a spade. Tyrion will occasionally launch into it, but again, he he tends to be. Oh, he tends to try to you know, sound a lot cleverer than he needs to. Um, Olena and Bronn are probably the the two most blunt characters. Uh, they in, are in the show, and you know, as as a trope and as an archetype, I always have a soft spot for a really outspoken, stern matriarch. Anyway, <laughs> um, I think we've all known one growing up at some point. Yeah. But I, I, think I certainly has know... to say about that. Yeah, probably. Yeah, um, I've I've certainly known my fair share of women in my family who are like this. So I do have a, a soft spot for a for a stern matriarch and and Elena especially. Just I think she's wonderful. Like straight away when that when they address each other and she just you know again people don't get away with speaking to Cersei like this, but she fires straight back into her ah the yeah. famous tart Queen Cersei. Yeah. Like, no one else would even dare. But she like not only does she dare, she doesn't give a flying fuck. Yeah, like she well, generally a, a, doesn't care. Yeah, I mean she's the typical cantankerous old person. Like, I've had my life. If you don't like it, totally. you decide to fucking execute me. Don't care. Yeah, and and whatever you do, don't you dare fuck with my family. Yeah, is what is what she's laying out here, which is something that the Lannisters are now missing because Tywin's gone. There's well, nobody playing that card for. Yeah, him. and their family is scattered to the wind. No, Joffrey's dead. Marcella's gone. Tommen's king. Um, no, Jamie's gone. Tyrion's gone, and he said, "Well, what, what the fuck? No, she's on her own." Yeah, and no, for all I mean, for all she talks about her, no, her family and loyalty and honor and all the rest of it, and no, the family name and all this sort of shit, it's it's not there anymore. It doesn't exist anymore. And at the, from a um, from a plot point of view, they're kind of papering over the cracks because Ty, Tywin's death hasn't really had any effect yet. 
No. No, nobody's really cashed in on that yet. And you know, given how you know he's been built up to be this sort of you know, this kingmaker, you know, this um this sort of you know, hugely important um political figure. He's been dead for six episodes and no fucker cares. No. No, in fact it's barely been mentioned until and, 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 we and have this scene. The only thing the only thing we have seen that's changed is that because that because he's not there pulling the strings, his idiot daughter has gone and let the fucking fanatics in. Yeah, she's she's let the wolf through the door. Yeah. Um and yeah, okay, speaking of which, let's let's get into it then. Um you're probably gonna have to cut me off at some point here because fuck me, this next scene annoyed the piss I out of me. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to. <laughs> I mean annoyed me too. Right, why the living fuck? And we've said this before, okay? And we have literally just been shown Littlefinger doing it as well. And I understand that Littlefinger is a law unto himself, as we said. And that's why it felt so great to see him talk to these fanatics in such a way. But why the fuck does the king not just shut down this ridiculous kangaroo court where they hold no fucking power, regardless of what they say? He is the fucking king. And there's a handful of them sat in a room playing fucking court. Just cut that shit down immediately. Like... There's that few of them in the room. Get the king's guard to cut the fucking high sparrow's head off right well, there and they're, then. They're directly behind him, and he he calls yeah. them off. Yeah, it, like... it, and it makes no fucking sense. And I mean, I get that. No, I mean, when Joffrey died and Tommen took the throne, he had, there was the, the exchange with um, Tommen and Tywin um, over the body, talking about what makes a, a good king: you know, not being rash, not being quick, no, not being uh, quick to act, you know, quick to act violently, or all the rest of it. So you can see he's so he's heeding those things and. He's again like the way Cersei's kind of wormed away into into his thinking. That even though even though he's married to Marjorie, there there's still things that Cersei has influenced, like accepting the you know the um the sparrows, you know, you know take, taking this sort of religious bent, um and so he's kind of been as as young kids are, he's kind of taken to it and gone, yeah, this is the best thing ever. This is fucking awesome because I've found this new thing and it's all shiny and shit. And not realizing that actually it's it's toxic. Um, so yeah, I mean that it makes no sense whatsoever. So they have no authority, and the fact that the king's guard are there and are instructed to do nothing while they take away the queen is ridiculous. And I mean, yeah, never mind even that they're taking away the queen, right? The king shouldn't even be giving them the time of day, right? No. Let alone the fact that we now know that they're stirring up trouble and causing dissent amongst the people, right? So before we even get to hearing Loris's testimony. Just take the fucker out. Like, he is clearly a threat to the crown. Very yeah. fucking clearly. And he is yeah. good as says so in this scene as well, where he basically says, oh, this is our court, we have the power. Uh, yeah. No, you fucking don't. Yeah, kings and queens aren't immune, aren't exempt in the eyes of the gods or whatever it is. And okay, fine, no, there, no, there are aspects of that in, in most religions. But yeah, it's no, it's dull. The other thing I don't get, right, they've confronted Littlefinger, who is a purveyor of sex and and the debauchery and all the rest of it why didn't they arrest him why is he not on trial because they're fucking afraid of him because exactly. he spoke up to him and the king won't and that as i say that's why i appreciate the little finger scene so much but i mean even if we put all of that to one side okay let's give him i'll give him benefit of the doubt on two things here right let's put to one side that the king's a pussy put yeah. that to one we side, know right? that willing to park that cersei is obviously pulling some strings so let's even assume and it's sort of inferred but never made clear but let's assume that she's had actual specific conversations off screen with the high sparrow and said this is what you're going to do to me okay i or do for me rather 
not to me that would be wrong um but let's assume she's had that conversation i don't think she has they kind no. of leave that dangling don't explain i think it's more of a case of i'm gonna give you all of the ingredients you make the fucking pie yeah. is what is what i think's gone on but let's assume it's not that and she's actually pulling the strings here right i'll cut them the benefit of the doubt on both of those that still only leaves her and the high sparrow in on this whole thing yeah right i don't care how much influence she's got over the king and she certainly doesn't have the influence over the rest of the court how the fuck does any court in the fucking world or any imaginary one take the testimony of some fucking nobody squire over the queen as evidence how does that happen that is the biggest pile of horse shit i have ever seen in my life this storyline is utter bollocks it is and again that no the the way they kind of do it so oh well yeah he's got a a birthmark the color of wine and the shape of dawn if he's a squire and he's helped him put his fucking armor on he's gonna have seen that shit he he might not have seen his cock you know to, to to see that and even if he hasn't, like, even if you, again, follow that through and go, okay, well, maybe maybe they were fucking then or whatever, right? And then that's the proof, right? It's pretty spurious. Yeah. Again, he says that they were fucking and he's got a birthmark. The queen, the fucking queen, mind you. Not, yeah. the, not the queen to be, nothing, not the queen regent. The fucking queen says, no, game over. Yeah. <laughs> like, again, at, at that point, it's, you know, the, the, Tommen should be saying, right, You've had you've had your fun. Fuck off back in your box. We're going back to the, no. We're going back to the castle. Yeah, exactly. And to be honest, it doesn't. It shouldn't even take Tommen to do that. They're in a court. They dare call the queen to trial. Okay, fine. Kings and queens have to answer in the name of God. I get it. Right. Follow that through. Fine. Her testimony is solid. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with her testimony. It's solid. She swore an oath. Right. She she said yeah. no. Absolutely not. And then they turn around and believe this fucking chump. Yeah. Like, and it's good that they called him, you know, because as soon as he took the sand, I forgot about it when we saw the scene a couple of weeks ago and I was saying how good she is in the scene. I forgot about it. So when they come out, I was like, ah, that's good. Nice callback. But yeah. it doesn't make fucking sense. No, it doesn't at all. No, I, I, I think Elena even calls him on it, doesn't she? Yeah, completely. And no one fucking listens to her. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand how any civilized culture in the world allows them to get away with this. No, and it is problematic because, as I said, there's no reason for any of them to even fucking set foot in this in this courtroom. I call no. it, I call it a courtroom. Um, okay, Loris is on trial, so you'd imagine that Marjorie would go there and Elena would go there. Tommen doesn't need to be there. Cersei doesn't need to be there. So what? No. No, what what's the point? And at any point, what's to stop them saying, you know what, fuck this noise, we're going, standing up and walking out the fucking door? Exactly. Like, let, let's put this into context, right? Let's just try and put this into context. Let's say tomorrow I decide I'm going to make my own religion. Up. I don't know. what well, be fucking whatever. Let's say we all worship cats, right? So I, I managed to gather a couple of hundred followers and uh, we, we go and storm fucking London, right? Storm Buckingham Palace. Somehow we managed to get in. Yeah. And yeah. I want to hold the queen to trial because she's got corgis instead of cats. Yeah. Right. How fast am I dead? Um, I think your feet may stop moving before your head hits the floor. Right? Like, so how the fuck does this happen? No, it's like, nonsense. It's just nonsense. And, and I know that sounds extreme, but it is literally that. Some fucking Joe Nobody has decided to start his own fucking religion. Yeah. yeah? He gets a couple of followers. They start press ganging people. All right. Where's now all religion start? Yeah, exactly. They're wankers, but you let them. All right. That's, that's religion. Yeah, you just try and keep them in line. 
at no point do they get an audience with a fucking royal family, and certainly at no point do they get to put them on trial. No. Like, that is just not... It's bollocks. This is the yeah. biggest pile of bollocks in the entire show, this storyline. It really... Like, we don't like the House of Black and White because it's boring and it steps on Arya's character, but for the most part, at least it kind of... You could go with it in some sort of narrative sense, yeah? None yeah. of it falls apart if you think about it. This, you don't even have to think about it for 10 seconds. Like, this is bollocks. This just would not happen. I, I don't understand how anybody thought this was plausible no no i have let no al- idea let alone adapted it like i assume this is in the book i don't see how it can't be um so it's bad enough that it's been written once but that was just written by one dude on his own in a room and his editor read it and somehow let it go but how the fuck how the fuck do you adapt this without correcting that is that, how does nobody look at it and go why doesn't he just kill him yeah like <laughs> Like, I, I don't get it. I do not. Can you imagine if this was happening, like, up at King's Landing with Stannis? Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. Like, that, you would that, burn him at the stake immediately. Yeah. That's just like, stop your fucking nonsense. Yeah. Or, or no, we'll, we'll, no, we'll we'll feed you to uh, Melisandre. Yeah. So, so not at King's Landing, but the fucking Castle Black. He's at King's yes. Landing. We got the Boltons. Again, imagine it happening with Roose Bolton up there. Uh, no. No. No, thank you. The uh, dogs will have you now. I was going to say, we'll set the dogs on you. Yeah. Like, utter, utter horseshit. Everything about this scene is fucking terrible. Um, it's, I'll give you this, as a courtroom scene, even though it's a small one, it's better than Tyrion's trial. Yes. Um, but so is Herpes. Yeah, in terms of it's better handled and the cast are better, but the fucking storyline is atrocious. Yeah. And I, I, just fuck it. Fuck this storyline. This I was already pissed off with this episode, but this sent me over the fucking edge. This is terrible. Um, so, let, yeah, move on. Um, yeah. We spend, we spend the rest of the episode with Sansa, which is great because I fucking love Sansa. Um, she's really coming to her own now. I was, I was going to say, she's really, no, she's really taking shape now as a character. And she, you know, it's it's not clear where she's going at this point. No, but she's I mean, on that can, journey. Yeah, I mean, we can see if you look at other characters that you can see, um, Danny, um, she's going to be queen, and she's going to go fucking nuts um, because we've already seen that she's a fucking tyrant. Um, so we can see where she's going. Um, you can already see John's on this hero's path. You can already see um, Arya's going on her vengeance kick. Sansa kind of hasn't really. Her whole thing was no, she was immediately betrothed to Joffrey. And spent a year fawning over him like a no, little fucking schoolgirl groupie. And then she was his victim. And she was bullied. And then she was persecuted. And then she was accused and had to go on the run. And it's like, okay, what the fuck now? Yeah. What's left for her to do? Um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, her her story from now until pretty much the end, actually, um, works really well. I, I, think, I think Sophie Turner does a very good job of it. And But uh, she... Well, a lot of things we've talked about in this show that we, uh, we've criticized quite heavily is stuff that happens off screen. Yeah. And you no, know, we, we get lots of quibble and trivia and bollocks that we don't need. And then stuff that's important to characters we don't see. But this actually seems like they've gone right. Okay. Sans is going to have a role to play. So let's fucking get, get her from the point she's in in season one where she starts, get her to that point where she can do the thing she's supposed to do at the end. Now, it's a fucking narrative arc. 
Yeah, and sh- she has arguably the best one in terms of journey, uh, mm. in terms of you know being moved as a character from where she started to where she finishes. Yeah, I think she is probably the most transformed. Um, but it's it's weird. It's like somewhere around the end of season three, somebody just woke up and went, "Ah, oh, Sansa's all right, isn't she? Let's do something with her." Um, well, they, I weird. mean, they kind they kind of did it. And we we talked about it at the time. I mean, they built they started to build her up. At the end of season one and beginning of season two, and then they kind of forgot all about her again. Yeah, they knocked her back down, and it's just taken a long time for her to claw her way back into any sort of recognition. Yeah, but I mean, from here on out, she's she's pretty much there. So it's always, as far as I'm concerned, it's always good stuff when we spend yeah. time with Sansa now. Um, and and you know, this is this is no exception for the most part. There is some stuff in this in this segment that I don't like. Um, I'll give you some guesses as to what it is. <laughs> Yeah, we'll come on to that in a minute. Um, yeah. Um, but, you know, to, to start with, like, yeah, we have this bathing scene and whether it's meant to mirror Arya or not, we can disagree on. But I think you're certainly right in that there is something there. And actually, we talked about the, the director being Emmy nominated and stuff. And most of this episode is fucking horse shit, as I said. But this, I, I get the subtext here. There's definitely something here about the act of being bathed by someone else. Yeah. Um, there is, and there's a lot that can be pulled out of this scene. And it is very well shot, to be fair. There's a lot to be pulled out of it. There's, there's the stripping away of this false persona that she has, you know, the removing of the hair colouring and the red yeah. coming back. And so there's the return to Sansa Stark, which she vocalises as well. Yeah. You know, she actually says to her, I am Sansa Stark of Winterfell, which is like, it's an ear punch moment for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's just like, yes, go on, girl. You know, like, finally, she's putting her feet in the fucking ground. Like, yeah. so so that's that's all there and that's good. Then, of course... And and this does definitely mirror later on. I think there is the the being stripped away and being vulnerable and naked in front of another person. Mm. Um, but here, Sansa is able to command that with authority. She's just like, I am naked because I want to be naked for you to clean me. This yeah. is, you know, so I am, you know, I, I don't mind showing you who I am because you are subservient to me. And yeah. she very much puts a foot on that. You know, she calls um it's miranda isn't it she yeah. calls miranda out here basically and it's it's brilliant you know when I mean, she literally does call her out as well she you yeah. know she does just on the spot turn the conversation around to well how long have you loved ramsey you yeah. know uh, so it's it's good it, the scene is great like she comes out all guns blazing yeah um as i say i i don't I don't know that it is intended to mirror Arya, but I, I think the scene is definitely great and there's a lot to be pulled out of it i think yeah um Really good stuff. Um, and then, of course, we do move on to the kind of wedding um, ceremony, which is fine. It's functional. It looks great. Yeah, I mean, we get look- we get the scene before that where um, Theon comes you know, comes to her door to to, to to walk her down, and he's like, "I've got to take your arm. If I don't take your arm, you'll punish me." And Sansa says, "No, again, Sansa has got you no know, gone from being this you know, accommodating little you know, mousy doormat to not giving any number of fucks." Um, and he said, oh, Master will punish me. And she said, and I don't care what he does to you. Yeah, He's which like, is no. great for her. Yeah, it's really good for her. And obviously, you know, we, she doesn't know at this point that he didn't kill Bran and Rickon. Um, but yeah, she's just like, what do I fucking care? You're nothing to me now. Yeah, which this is the type of shit that he needs to hear in order to transition from yes. Theon to Rick. Yeah. It, it needs people who are close to him. To, to tell strip him that he's Theon nothing. away, yeah, yes, to break him down, to get you no, know, to get to that point where it's like, right, well, Theon obviously doesn't. No, Theon's obviously not here anymore because yes. they wouldn't talk to Theon like that. They wouldn't treat Theon like that. Yes, 
no. but of course we didn't have any of that worth putting. So once no, we again, had about a year's worth of Stockholm syndrome not fucking seen. Yeah, so once again, Reek makes no sense. Uh, it is Reek that's the thing that really fucking annoys me, and we'll get onto it when we get to the last scene because I've got, I've got things for the last scene as well. Oh, it does. I think probably everyone has things with the last scene. It's quite a famous last scene, this one, isn't it? But um, actually, well, we'll talk about it when we get to it. But yeah. um, I I maybe have quite a surprising view on the last scene, but... <laughs> uh, it may not be as surprising as you think. I may okay. have a similar one, but we'll get okay. to that. Yeah, maybe then. Um, but I, I certainly do have issues with Theon's involvement in it for a lot of the reasons we've already talked about, and that also cheapens the whole scene again. Anyway, we'll get onto it. We, we're yeah. getting ahead of ourselves. So... He offers to take her arm. She refuses. Uh, stands aground. Very, very good. Walks into that wedding ceremony with her head held high. Um, very, very good. This is her third wedding. Second, I think. Isn't it? Second wedding. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't. She didn't marry Joffrey. She was supposed to, but she didn't. That's right. She was supposed to, but she didn't. Um, it's a completely different affair. You know, she was very good in the one with Tyrion. That was the makings of her starting yeah. to become Sansa. And I feel like this again is her next like major transformative moment. This yes. this wedding now. Um, beautifully shot in the Godswood and stuff. It looks great. It does look amazing. And fucking Ramsay smiles. He, he yeah. gen- like, not this fucking twisted, sadistic saliva. He genuinely looks happy. Yeah, um, it's it's a nice scene. It's it's beautifully shot. It's well handled. But uh, yeah, narratively, I guess we need to see it. Uh, but and, and the thing is as well, I mean, the, the, the whole wedding thing is that she, you know, she's gone into this. I mean, when she went to King's Landing to marry Joffrey, there was all the fucking ceremony. She went with her, you know, her father and her sister went with her. And you know, she was celebrated. She was, t- you know, she was having dinner with the king and queen and the royal family, all this sort of stuff. She's gone to Winterfell for this and she is completely on her own. There's no, not even little fingers there anymore. She's completely, completely alone. But she still walks in there, head held high, and goes, and we expect this fucking wobble where, you know, where Rue says, you know, do you take this man? And we expect her to have a little wobble or something happens. She said, and she just pauses for a second and goes, yes, I take this man. Yeah. And it's just, no, she's like, well, this is what it is. So fuck it. Let's just get on with it. And like, it's almost like her repeated bad experiences have just let, left, left her jaded enough to go off. Oh, fuck it. Just get on with it. I don't care anymore. Just let's, let's just do it. So it's, it's finished with. I think it's that. Uh, and I think it's also, as she's already said to us, you know, whoever she was, whatever weird period she went through at King's Landing where she thought she was going to be queen and she was playing dress-up, that's gone. Uh, her yeah. family has been decimated. And as she says out loud, she is Sansa Stark of Winterfell. Yeah. And she knows full well in order to be Sansa Stark of Winterfell, she has to A, marry this chump. Yeah. And B, off this chump. Yeah. And she knows that even this early. You can see it on her in her performance. She is She's got balls of fucking steel at yeah. this point. She is like, I know what I want and I know what I'm going to do here. And yeah. Littlefinger has fully enabled her to do it. He's given her all the tools and she is playing that game. Um, and I think there's a lot of that to it as well. So, yeah. And I think there's a lot of that in the next scene, which a lot of people say is problematic and obviously it's problematic because of the content. But actually, I I think it's really well handled. Um, I, I do too. Um, I, I wasn't, I mean, I, I was quite surprised. Yes, okay, it's we've we've had no we've had a lot of sex in in this show and we we have had issues of consent and things like that we've, we've talked and we've talked about that in the past and certainly with and with with danny when um when when she when her and drogo uh, first married and he was raping her every night um whereas this feels far more consensual she you know, 
she's not happy about it. But, but she, she does it. She just no. She's just kind of like, right. Okay. Well, I know it's not something I want to do. And no, I, I was lucky with Tyrion that he, you know, he he never touched me and all the rest of it. Um, but I fully realised that I am no. This is my husband, and it's something I'm going to have to do because. And again, not saying it's right at all, but in marriages in what would be been the Middle Ages, in certainly in England or in Europe, the consent wasn't an issue. If you were husband and wife, the husband could have you anytime he wanted. That's not fuck that came right. No, there was, I think, uh, rape in marriage only became a crime in in the UK in 1991. Wow, didn't know that. Uh, yeah, and then yeah, up until 1991, a husband could not rape his wife. Great Britain, everybody. Um, good, old, so, good old days. Let's know. Brexit. Fuck Europe. Yeah. Well. Great Britain. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things about it. It's like, first of all, there's, there's the undressing, which is voyeuristic and horrible. But in all, uh, and I mean, I know how this is going to sound, but it's voyeuristic and horrible in all the right ways. It's mm. horribly uncomfortable. And like, it's, 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 it sits right with that character as well. Yes, it does. it's skin crawlingly awful. But it works. They are they're not doing it accidentally and they're not doing it in a kind of boys club way like we have seen previously with Danny. It is they absolutely know what they're going for here. The intent is for Ramsey to try and exert power over Sansa and make her feel uncomfortable. But her willingness is perhaps the wrong word, but the fact that she goes acceptance of it instantly just dethrones him. Yeah, it completely, then, it completely derails that because all of a sudden, he, yes, okay, he no, he he's he may be in control of the of the scenario, but she hasn't put up a fight. She hasn't done anything that suggests actually, you know what, I'm you know I, you're taking this from me. No, you're you're not taking my power because if I wanted to, I could kick up a fuss. I could cause you problems. And yes, you probably slapped me around a bit, and yes, you probably hurt me in, in other ways. But uh, no, this is it's it's a sort of pyrrhic victory. Yes, I, and again, the the intent is for. I think at least he thinks that he's being intimidated and there is definitely a reading where she's subservient and afraid of him. But I think to take that reading is to do a great deal of disservice to both the direction, which I will credit in this scene and, and Sophie Turner's performance and particularly the decision. And this is, this is key. The decision to end on a close up of Sansa um, to show us exactly what she is thinking. Um, Well, yeah, yeah. Could we get, we get that. So it's, um, we see her face, and we see her being pushed, no, pushed forward, and her, her face going down to the pillow, and yeah. then we cut to Reek. So we don't, see, we don't see Ramsey. Ramsey's agency is gone here. It, completely. I'm pretending that we don't see Reek. Uh, the scene's over by then for me, because, well, look, quite simply, again, I get it. He's trying to push her buttons, so he's going to make Reek watch. Right. I get, I get why Ramsey's doing that and why he has yeah. Reek there. Okay. And it's another thing for Sansa to overcome. I get that. Yeah. But for it to be in the slightest bit uncomfortable for Reek, which is what they suggest when he's watching it, yeah. okay? For it to be the slightest bit uncomfortable, he has to know who Theon Greyjoy is and has to have experienced that relationship with Sansa as his sister. Correct. Otherwise, it just doesn't work, and it doesn't work here at no, all. No, and, and they, they've tried, and this this is where the storyline fucks me off um, immensely, and, and not, not this particular episode but this whole story in general but that the, the way they flip-flop between he's reek he's theon he's reek he's the now he went to um the dread uh, to the Dreadfort and convinced the um the other iron islanders to leave and they you know they, if they if they surrendered the castle they'd be allowed to leave 
he was Theon doing that because Ramsay needed him to be Theon. He was Ramsay giving her away at the wedding. Yeah. So he knows that Theon is still he knows he's still Theon. He's not broken. And this is what fucks me off because there's this assumption that you can be completely so so completely psychologically damaged you don't know who you are and you're a cowering mess because you're housebroken like a dog. Yeah. But it's... then you can't go from that and flip flop back into your old character when it suits. No, that I... doesn't work. And this really cements that, okay, because as I say, that the insinuation here is that, that he is Theon at this point and he does know who Sansa is. Okay, yeah. now, <coughs> excuse me, uh, if that is the case, if that's what we're playing for, uh, I'm an only child, I, I don't have siblings, okay, but I can I can make a fucking leap of faith here. Mm. Um, and you can, you can see this actually in the relationship between Theon and Yara as well. If that is the case... I don't care what the hell Ramsay has done to him in the past. If you see someone trying to exert power over, I mean, I know she's not his biological sister, but he has been raised as her brother, essentially. Yeah. yeah? If you see someone exerting that kind of power over your sister and putting her in that position and taking those sorts of things from her that forcefully, how the fuck do you not just rip his head off his shoulders? No, that's it. Even if you die trying. Yeah. Like, and, and, yeah, you, you stand up and you're honorable. Yes, I mean, his honor doesn't even come into it, does it? That's that's your family, but, it, but it's, it's your family's honor, it's your you know, it, it, yes. it's the, the disrespect of your family, yes, yeah, absolutely. Like, I, and well, just the fucking fact that it's hurting your sister, yeah, like yeah. you, it, it, I, I don't, I don't understand it at all. Like, they need, I, I think, what you said is exactly right, what for this to work. And this needed to have happened like a season and a half ago or whatever. Yeah. They they needed to very firmly plant a flag in the sand. Like, is he Theon or is he Reek? Which is he? Because he can't be both. No, it doesn't can't. work. It doesn't work. And if he's going to be Reek, then we needed to see a better transformation. Um, well, yeah, uh, but we needed to see a transformation as well. Yes. Uh, no, we, so... we, need, we needed to see him be gradually broken. Not just he gets he gets mutilated for a couple of weeks and all of a sudden he's Reek. But so we need to see him get psychologically broken. But then yeah. we you know we need to see the effect of that as well. We need to see that stick, because you know even to a point where um, again looking ahead, um, where his storyline goes, he by by and large he is the same character he was at the start. By the time you get to the end, just having been emasculated and he's he's a bit more humble now. Yeah, you know it's no it's not he's not this broken damaged shell of a thing. No, uh, by the end to be fair, he's quite heroic. Um, uh, he but, well yeah he is because I, I can't see it as a redemption arc for him because no. there's so little character there well, um, so he's, he's just a fucking cut and paste hero by the end but again uh, when, when you talk about his arc and where it goes like if you look back before the whole Reek thing if hmm. Theon Greyjoy is still in there even if you assume that he doesn't give a fuck about Sansa it is absolutely in Theon Greyjoy's best interest at this point when he's alone with Ramsay. Yeah. Yeah. Save for Sansa, who will be an ally. It is absolutely in his best interests to beat the living fuck out of him. Well, that's it. I'm not being funny. Ramsay's got his back to him. He's on the job. He yeah. He's going to be concentrating on Reek. Stove and... his fucking head in with a candlestick. There's enough of the cunts there. And regardless of whether Bruce Bolton might come down on him with great vengeance and furious anger or not, She's fucking Sansa Stark yeah. of Winterfell and is now married into the family anyway. Yeah. He's untouchable if she's got his back. Well, yeah. And all of Winterfell will stand with her, not the fucking Boltons. Well, yeah, exactly. So I don't get it. Yeah, and she knows that. And that that's like I said, that's why I think the, the scene is handled so well. You know, the decision to actually end 
for her part of the scene and where I choose to believe that the scene ends <laughs> to end on that close up of her where it's clearly unpleasant. Yeah. But she is not at no point do I think she looks vulnerable then. No. She is very much like, okay, this is fucking horrible. But yeah. she knows what she's doing. And like you said, she has removed all agency from Ramsey at this point. He's he's fucking nobody. He's just some dude that's just fucking shafting her. If it wasn't him, it would have been Joffrey. Yeah. yeah. So she's just like, okay, whatever. At least this way, I'm going to fucking kill him eventually and get... And, and she knows all that you can... You just It yeah. comes through in the performance and in the direction. It is a very clever choice to go for that status paradox and to end on her and not have her basically be a sniveling wreck. Um, yeah, and, and this is what I was talking about earlier on. I mean... Um... So with Arya, when she's challenged for lying and she gets she she becomes very defensive and very childish. We've had that from Sansa in the past. Yeah. And when so when she was challenged about um, being a virgin and Tyrion not not, not having sex, I'm surprised there weren't questions about Littlefinger as well, because we've had those um, elsewhere. Yeah. Um, Again, and the the expectation for Sansa was for her to become hysterical and, and deny it because she's trying to please everybody. And again, this is part of her her evolution. She now doesn't give a fuck. She's like, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah, you're gonna <laughs> think what you're gonna think. Yeah. I'm telling you the I'm telling you the truth, whether you believe it or not, this is what it is. So fuck it. And it's very um, much just like look, here we go then, just fucking get it over with, will you? Yeah. Like just just do it. Don't care. Get it over with. Yeah. Um you know? now this this scene, um, interestingly, I've got um it's th- this scene garnered a lot of complaints because you know, of it was um I mean we you know we've we've seen Sansa come through from being a child. So, you know, it's People know people watching still think of her as a little girl, um, and so there's lots of criticism of the of the rape aspect, lot of criticism of um, the fact that you know, she's still young and all that. Stuff. Um, but in the book, whichever book it comes from, Sansa doesn't marry Ramsay. Or she, this, this isn't her uh, in in the book, so she may go on to marry Ramsay. I don't know, but this is a character called uh, Jane Poole, um, and she the, the way. Hang on, hang on. We can't just skip over that. The way. Do you know how you just pronounce that? You do realize you just pronounce that in the same mannerism as Deadpool, don't you? <laughs> yeah. Just... It's because I'm reading and I've been up since three o'clock this morning, so I'm uh, yeah, a little just... bit against it. I just, I just have images now of Deadpool being <laughs> shafted by Ramsey. Um, well, you know. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, so the character of, um, of Jane Poole uh, marries Ramsey, and, and the, the rape scene in the book is apparently horrific. It's very graphic. It's very, no, it's very detailed, very graphic. Um, and as part of the torment of Reek, Ramsey actually makes him join in and do things. Oh, that's different. That's all sorts of horrible. And when challenged on it, um, let's see, where is it? Where's the quote? Um, yeah, there is a quote about it. So I'm just looking for it. Um, and basically asking why it was no, why it was so different. And Brian Cogman just went like, no, that's a whole level of horrible we couldn't do. I can't find the actual quote. It's it's in on this page somewhere, but um, yeah, it's like no, that's a whole that. Uh, no, 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 no. That, that's that's something we could never get away with. I'm thinking all the shit you've already fucking done. Yeah, I, but you'll draw the line there. Yeah, um, you draw the line at that. Um, I, I can't find this fucking quote now. I mean, the thing is with it though, and this is probably well, not not probably a conversation that we're not qualified to have. It's definitely a conversation that we're not qualified to have, but. 
Uh, I understand people people is upset because Sansa by this point as well is just getting stronger and stronger every week and I think she's becoming more and more of a fan favorite character. Yeah. So I, I understand that everybody's annoyed that this is happening to her, but nobody was fucking up in arms when it was happening to Danny in season one. And I would argue that that is oh, this is a horrible term. That is rapier. <laughs> well, the than thing is, this because the thing is, like this this is I mean we talked about this there's. There's no she objection here. She, she consents. There's, there's no objection. Yeah. Da- Danny and uh, they flipped it because in the book, uh, in in the original book, Danny Danny's um, wedding night was consensual. It wasn't rape. Whereas this episode, this this scenario involving the other character was, and they flipped it on his head so that Danny was the one being raped. And and again, this this is how they frame they they tried to frame Danny very on, early on as a victim. And so she yeah. could she could grow, she could develop, she could become more powerful, and you could go on this journey with her. And that's that's why they did it. I found the quote, um, and the um, in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, um, Cogman was asked why he decided or why they, as a show, decided to decrease the level of violence. And his response was, "Lord, no, 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 no. It's a shared form of abuse after and do a sense of the but not the extreme torture and humiliation that the book is. We couldn't do that." I say, not well, not that we wouldn't yeah, do we that. We couldn't do that. We couldn't do that. Um, yeah, so I mean, it's I, I I don't see the difference between this and what they did with Danny in the first episode. Now, why why that would be so different? Yeah, I would agree. I mean, there's definitely there is definitely, as I say, some creepy ass shit going on here, and Ramsey is definitely trying to exert power. There is definitely an intention and uh, a thought process within him that yeah. says I am superior to you and I will exert my authority. That is definitely there. There's definitely yeah. an uncomfortable undertone. Yeah. But I I firmly come down in the camp. My and this is my reading of it. And again, listeners, if I've got this wrong, I'm always willing to talk about this stuff, particularly as I say, when it things that that I have just no barometer for, really. Okay. I have no right to make any decision on this kind of thing. But my reading of this is very much that Sansa holds the power here. Yeah. And I think and I think that's intentional. I'm almost certain that's intentional from the from the director's point of view and from the performances. So yeah. I you can't say that it's not rape. The intent is for it to be rape, definitely. But she doesn't allow it to be. Yeah. And that is key. Yeah. And one of the um one of the criticisms that came from um, an article in Variety Fair was that the, the, the rape scene undercuts all the agency has been growing in Sansa since the end of last season. Um, I totally disagree with that. Yeah, I think they've completely missed the point of that. Yeah, I complete. I, I totally disagree. Uh, I, I think I think she does have power here. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think her decision to go along with it just just does give her a command and presence. If she had first of all started to refuse. Yeah, and then consented. Then yes, that would be a whole different thing. Then she would yeah. have been forced into consent. Yeah, she's it, not at any point. No. Again, it's this whole thing. We've had it since probably since the um the, since Joffrey was murdered. And you know, we we've seen her coming along, um, you know, getting on the boat with little thing. It's it's just accepted. She's at the point where she's like, well, you know what, shit's gonna happen, and I'm gonna learn from it, and I'm gonna get my own back at some point. Yeah. And I mean, this this almost sounds like I'm defending Ramsey, which I'm not, absolutely not. Okay, I'm I'm fully on Team Sansa here. But there's also like, what did she think was going to happen on her wedding night? Well, exactly. Like she's she's had the bath and dressed up in the previous on purpose. This is wedding night nuptials, albeit Bolton style, which is pretty fucked up because Ramsey is a fucked up dude. 
like in all fairness and again not defending ramsey here but like you said and it's in the book as well like it could be a lot more fucked up than it is and i get the feeling that with joffrey even it fucking would have been well yeah and so you would now uh, I, I certainly would know this is the this is the tamest example of bolton sex i've ever seen um, <laughs> no <laughs> absolutely not um but but yeah, to me, she has she definitely has the agency in the scene. This is definitely her decision. She's allowing this to happen, and that is crucial, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I I'm glad you agree with me because I I thought I was going to be on my own here because I know that that is very much a minority reading. It, uh, it is. Um, but then again, and I don't want this to sound snobbish or anything else, but pe- the majority of people who watch shows like this don't read them in a way where they're looking for subsects they're looking for things like agency they're looking at power dynamics they're looking at it as a show and with this so certainly certainly they're looking at a show that titillates and is gory and is violent and has tits and things like they're not looking for any anything subtler than that the, ma- no. the majority of viewers i think you're right and it really is if if you're if you're switched on to visual storytelling in any way shape or form and again i don't mean that to sound snobby okay i don't mean you have to have studied film or anything like that like a lot of people for instance that read comics and graphic novels will be subconsciously just switched on to visual storytelling it's something that you understand and the decision to end on that close-up of her whether she's enjoying it or not okay and she's not clearly not enjoying it in the close-up okay Mm. But the fact that we get that that power dynamic where it ends on her very much having her owning the scene. Mm. Yeah, we get that status paradox where, yes, he's the aggressor, but she is absolutely allowing it to happen. And it will cement her actions in the coming weeks even more because we are we are with her immediately on this journey. Now we're in it with her going, right, she's going to fucking have him. Yeah. And you can see it come in here. Yeah, is that how how is she going to get away from this? How is she going to get out of this? Yeah, uh, and so it very much puts her in the driver's seat. So, yeah. and I think the difference as well is that you no, know, up until now things have happened to her. So you know, I mean, Ned took you know Ned gave her to Joffrey, um, Tywin then cancelled that arrangement to to form alliance with um, with the Tyrells and gave her to Tyrion. Littlefinger took her away, and this you no, know, this is the start of her going. You know what? Fuck this shit. All, all, all these people, particularly all these men who have spoken for me and have decided for me, I'm not fucking having it anymore. And you know, from here, she will really ramp up in that respect. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's my reading. But, you know, hey, two straight white men talking about raping women. So, I mean, call us well, out, guys, if we're wrong, because yeah, what well, the fuck let, do we know? Let, let's clarify that. We're not talking about raping women. We're, no, we're talking about well, no, no, not not in the not in the collective of like, yeah, let's go, ra- let's no. go raping, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, we're not fucking Vikings. Um, no. there's, just... Actually, there's a really good skit in um, Amy Schumer's sketch show whereby she parodies a lot of these, so the the 2000s American sports like high school sports movies, yeah, um, and she, you know, in it, her character is the wife of the you know the um, the 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 new. Um, the new basketball coach who's, who's come in from from a from a big city. You know, he's coming from from a from a, a town to a city. You know, so he's he's very naive and he's he believes in decency and honesty. And you know, that you know, playing basketball is about basketball. Um, and one of the lines in there, you know, he, I oh, I only have three rules. One is you turn up on time. Two is you wear a tie. Three, no raping. And the the, the, the kids are up and up, no raping. You can't mean that. That's bullshit. And then the parents are like, 
you can't stop my boy from raping. And then even like the you know, the, the mayor and the sheriff and everyone get involved. It's like, there's no raping shit. You can't do that. And it's it, it's again, it's, it's um, as a um, an affluent middle aged uh, sub middle aged white woman. Again, she's probably not in a position to talk about that, but to parody it from from that visual point, from what we've seen in that visual media, is was a really clever thing. I'll see if I can dig it out. I'll um, I'll put a link to it because it's quite uh, it's quite funny. Yeah, it sounds it. Um, I mean, who knows what she's in a position to talk about or not? Um, we we just don't know. But certainly, uh, I've never been raped nor done any raping, and I'm pretty no. sure you haven't. So no, not we are not quali- we are not qualified to talk about this stuff. Uh, <laughs> But that doesn't mean that we can't have an opinion because, you know, opinions are like arseholes. So, oh, that's it. yeah, that's that's ours. Uh, and that's our reading of it, I guess. So if yeah. we're wrong, please, uh, please call us out because I think it's important with this sort of stuff where if we're wrong, uh, if you don't point that out to me, I'm never going to learn. So but not only that, I mean, it's, it's, it's important that we, we gauge um, where our listeners are coming from as well, because, I mean, we could be way fucking off point. And if nobody tells us, we're going to carry on doing the shit we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, it, it's discussion is a learning process. Well, so, yeah, that's it. I, although, no, discussion of rape is probably a good place to leave it, to be honest. Um, um, yeah, I never particularly want to discuss rape, if I'm being perfectly yeah. honest. Um, I mean, just to um, just to wrap up on, on the episode, I mean, this um, this was the lowest That was rape. a smooth segue. Well done. From rape to... Yeah, that's enough talk about rape now. Just wrap up. <laughs> yeah. wrap up. Stop talking um, about rape, Chris. Shut the fuck up. Yeah, shut up. Um, but you know, it's um, this was the the lowest um, scoring episode uh, on Rotten Tomatoes until um, the season eight episode Bells, um, for fairly obvious reasons. Um, but this um, it only, it's only scored fifty four percent, which is it's, it's the lowest um, they've had, um, the lowest rating they've had of any uh, any episode um, until until the eighth season. Um, so I mean, generally wasn't well received. Um, I think again, possibly because of the um, the slight rape aspect that we've been talking about for the last twenty minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's quite um, it's 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 it's. I find it quite strange that a show that's been this violent, this bloodthirsty, this misogynistic in places, this downright offensive in places, that's the line they've drawn. When actually they have a no, they have a woman a, a woman being um bested by your husband on on their wedding night you know it's not that surprising um and f- you know the depiction we get isn't that shocking as you know, from from my viewing of it um, uh, no, and not even that shocking compared to at least two previous occasions that i can think of where actual rape has happened in this show well yeah exactly so you know it is it is interesting that this is something that people have got up in arms about isn't it yeah, and I, I think it's possibly because she was young, and it's possibly because she's ginger. Nobody wants to think of ginger pubes. Ah, well, maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe that's what offended it. people. Maybe, um, and they made a point. You see, this is what I'm talking about. Bringing it back around in the episode, they made a point of reminding us she's a ginger. Yeah, I mean, no yeah. offense to ginger people. Mark brought it up, uh, <laughs> but yeah, don't at me, ginger people. Like, yeah, like when they, you know, when uh, Miranda's washing her hair, and uh, she says, "Well, no, I, uh, the, you can see the red coming through now." Again, she's reminding us. Yes, we're reminding us that this is what Sansa looks like. Um, and ironically, Sophie Turner's blonde and had to dye her hair, her hair red for eight years. Um, but yes, yeah, no, this this whole thing of no, um, of, sort of no, just bringing bringing her, no, bringing her true character back, if you like. And it, no, it's it's a good way to set her on, set her on a path. Um, but yes, I mean for whatever reason, this this episode didn't take with with fans. Um, so I know you weren't overly enamoured with it. Um, 
But no, I think that, absolutely that, not. But not for the reasons that the um, the, the the critics were uh, were not enamoured with it. Um, but I mean, as you've said a few times, I mean, if people have different thoughts on this, if we've read this wrong, if you have, I mean, not just this scene, you know, the the end scene, but as we talk through the episode, um, as always, get in touch with us and let us know because this is the, the whole point of this is that we get to talk smack about stuff, and then if other people want to join in, we let them join in. Um, but yeah, let us know your thoughts um, on Twitter at ddpodcastnet. You can go to our website, ddpodcast.net, where you find all of our previous episodes and our other shows. You can leave comments on there, um, uh, on Facebook with the Double M Podcast Network. Um, wherever you get your podcasts from, and as I said, I'm about 15 times. Wherever you get your podcasts from, be it iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, Amazon Music, Blueberry, TuneIn, um, wherever, 16. Um, 17. Oh, fuck's <laughs> I want a little bell. I want a little bell that I can ring every time you say um. <laughs> I'm going to get one for next week. Every time you say um, I'm smacking the bell. I tell you what, you'll have wankers cramped by the end of it. <laughs> so I'm, yeah. I'm not. Uh, yeah, I'm not touching that. <laughs> well, maybe you won't have wankers cramped then. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> so wherever you get your podcast from, like, subscribe, share, leave us a review. Um, we'll get in touch with us we can. But until next time, game over.